The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. On today's episode of the Nonprofit Happy Hour, we're talking with the executive director and founder of Focus on Youth. Uh, this is Phil Bussey. It is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. And as part of the lead up to Earth Day, we are looking at some of the nonprofit members of Earth Day Oregon, uh, including uh, Donna Lee Holmes, who is executive director uh, and founder. Can you can you describe uh, describe the Sunflower Farm for us, if you could, please? I'd be happy to. Uh, Sunflower Farm is a one acre urban farm in southwest Portland. Um, we are growing. Uh, organic produce and raising um, chickens so that we can um, feed thousands of homeless youth. Wonderful. Right. So the, the, that is uh, the purpose and the name of the organization focused on youth. Yes. Yes. And let's talk a little bit about um, Fano Creek watershed. So this is uh, looking at the, the area that you're in, um, I don't always think of Southwest Portland as uh, necessarily where I'd find farms, but if, is that is that my is that my misconception? Uh, well, this used to be um, well, lots and lots of farms and orchards many years ago, and it wasn't part of Portland until 1954. Um, and so um, there's still one and two acre plots uh, in the neighborhood, which is fantastic and lots and lots of trees yeah and, and to, to, so who so who owns that plot of land for i know we're doing just some background stuff before we get into the programming but I'm just curious where the land uh who owns it and and how does that relationship work well thank you for asking that um i think i'll preface that by saying um so you can see the flow of things i started focus on youth 20 years ago and when i started it we were uh, providing mentorship for homeless youth. And we were giving them cameras and taking them out in nature. We did not have this plot of land. We had uh, a studio in Southwest, Southeast Portland. And um, about 10 years ago, I found this property. And so I purchased it. And I asked the youth at the shelters that I was working with if they would like to uh, learn how to grow their own food and cook healthy food. And they were extremely enthusiastic about it. And so that's that began the farm. And so in addition to teaching the kids photography, uh, we started teaching them how to uh, do sustainable agriculture, uh, grow their own food, and um, cook cook healthy food. And and um, why did you start this? like let's 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 hover around that moment again, twenty years ago. So, uh, rolling back the clock a bit to the photography classes. What do you remember when that idea came to you or how it came to you? 
Yes, I do. Uh, so I, before starting Focus on Youth, I had uh, worked for uh, several different nonprofits, including being the development director for um, the food bank. And I came across a booklet called Straight Shooting, and it was photographs taken by gang-affected kids. And I just thought that was a great idea of, you know, connecting kids with nature. And so I went to the nonprofit that uh, had sponsored that class and um, they were no longer doing it. Um, and I had presented them with the idea that um, I would like to start that program up. Um, they had other ideas. They wanted to actually hire me to do their uh, the statewide conference, which I agreed to do. But then I, I still had this idea that I really wanted to work with kids because I've also taught in the past. And so I just started my own nonprofit and that was 20 years ago. And and now you had worked in nonprofits, but uh, what, what, what do you wish you could travel back in time and give yourself advice in terms of starting a nonprofit? Oh, that's a very good question. Well, I think the, the, I don't know if this would be advice. I think that one of the best things about starting something new is you don't know ahead of time what the obstacles will be. But what I do know is that when you're passionate about something, when you love, and which I love teaching, I love being with kids, and I love being of service to the community, you meet every challenge and you find a solution. Yeah, and and yes, um, but and and at this point, uh, sixteen thousand at-risk and homeless youth. Um, how have those youth found you, or how do you find those youth? Okay, so we have many partners, which I'm extremely grateful for. We work with lots of different nonprofits. The way we would uh, connect with youth is either they would contact me or I would contact them. So over the years, I've worked with um, Outside In, uh, New Avenues for Youth, uh, NEA, which is Native American Youth, a school that no longer is in existence, but it was called the Portland International School, mm -hmm. and it was for immigrant and refugee kids. And the, the greatest thing about um, working with all of these young people is that we know that getting kids out in nature is healing, and especially for young people that have suffered trauma. And that's really what I, the farm does for kids. Uh, it's beautiful here. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. We have 100 species of birds. Um, we have wildflowers. We have uh, garden snakes and uh, salamanders and hummingbirds. And it's just, a it's a paradise. That, and and tell me one of the stories maybe about a, a kid showing up there and just, you know, having their world uh, expanded. Well, I think that all of the kids experience coming here uh, as something that is lacking in their lives. I'll never forget that uh, one day we were cooking a meal and the kids were talking and laughing. And one of the young boys turned to me and said, thank you so much for this opportunity. This is the most fun I've had since I've been homeless. Hmm. And that was really touching to me. It's also pretty common for the kids, not only to thank me, but they're so incredible. I, I will be working in the garden and I'll hear the kids talk about how excited they are that we're, they're, they're going to donate half of the produce that they grow to the food bank to help other people. Um, and I, I, all think, I think it's important also to mention to you that 
our program changed dramatically when COVID hit. Um, I don't know if you knew that uh, hunger went up 260% in Portland. And because of uh, being high risk myself for COVID and the kids not being vaccinated, we pivoted immediately and decided the most important thing we could do was provide food for these kids and provide more food. Because they were no longer able to come to the property, we committed that we would double the size of the garden. We tripled it. And in the in two years of COVID, during COVID, we have um, spread, or I should say our volunteers have helped spread, two, 300 tons of compost. Everything we do is organic and sustainable. Um, we're now providing um, over 10,000 meals. We have another nonprofit we work with, Positive Charge PDX. Uh, those those folks come here a couple of times a week. They pick up eggs and take them directly to the shelter. They also pick up produce and they alternate between the, taking it to the shelter for the kids and taking it to our neighborhood food bank. You know, and one of the other things that, is, that has happened over the last couple of years is that uh, Portland, uh, a, a lot of people, their relationship or their uh, attitudes about homeless have have changed. Mm -hmm. I think it's become a much more uh, difficult and complicated conversation. Uh, you certainly have a different vantage point on that. I would I would think. I mean, just from uh, the few stories that you just told about some of the youth and uh, ha, ha, their generosity um, is certainly different than than I think what a lot of the conversation tenor is right now. I've noticed that. Um... Uh, not not just with our kids, but I, I know that the general public is having some more negative feelings right now. But in all the years I've worked with these young people, I have never once had any of the students uh, act out or disrespect me. Um, they've been an absolute joy to work with. Um, and um, another touching thing that happened to me is we had a student here, a, a young uh, trans kid, and um, he was in our program for a year. And then he he was graduating, going on to um, another program. And the day he had to say goodbye, he uh, got in the van and then jumped out uh, and came over and hugged me and told me he loved me. And he said, um, I'm so appreciative of this program. You are the grandmother I always wanted. <laughs> it was so sweet. Um, that was Christopher. And uh, to, to uh, say goodbye, he painted. We have a stepping stone at our front front door and he painted a heart on it for me, which is very sweet. Um, you you also mentioned Fano Creek. So I, I want to also share that um, a really important aspect of our program is the environment. Um, the uh, When the kids, when they were coming, helped us clear invasives. Now it's the neighbors and volunteers. Uh, we're very, very grateful to be partnering with Solve of Oregon. Um, they have allowed us, their, through their partnership, to accomplish more than we ever thought was possible this last year. We started working with them last Earth Day. And um, again, they've helped us remove at least 20,000 square feet of blackberries and invasives and spread compost and plant thousands of seedlings of vegetables. Um, the other thing I love about um, this neighborhood and having this program in our neighborhood is that we open it up in the summer um, for neighbors to come and visit and tour the garden. And we've started a little flower stand uh, at the front of the property and it's open seven days a week. 
and we offer our flowers for sale and the neighbors support us. Um, and uh, it's just, and they want to know about the program and they want to help. And it's resulted in them getting involved, donating warm hats and coats to take to the shelter um, and just showing up to lend a hand. I mean, but isn't that partly a definition of being part of your ecosystem? Yes, it is. Yes, we. I like to. I like to share with people that uh, biodiversity is is critically important to our program, and in that in the same regard, um, the diversity of our friends, our neighbors, our volunteers. We have we have volunteers of every age, every background, every ethnic group. Uh, and everybody feels welcome and included. And I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of is that um, we've created an environment here that's inclusive for people, no matter what your race, your religion, or your socioeconomic background is. Donnelly Holmes is executive director and founder of Focus on Youth. This is the nonprofit happy hour. Now you brought in, uh, you have a suggestion for, for a, a song for us. Um, do you want to just cue it up and either just... Tell us what it is or tell us why it matters to you, why the song matters to you. Um, well, it's always mattered to me. It's John Lennon's song, Imagine. And um, I think it, it it it's a perfect song for our program because uh, our program is all about hope. Uh, when you plant a seed, you hope that it will, it will germinate and grow and uh, turn into something beautiful and wonderful and nurturing. And... Um, I'm incredibly grateful to be doing this. I love my life. I wake up excited every morning to get out in the garden to greet the people who come here. Um, and uh, I'm hopeful, not just that we can alleviate hunger now, but I I really believe that we can, A, save the planet one garden at a time. And I, I see no reason why we can't end hunger. Um, we've had many people come out here and ask how we started this so that they could do something similar. Um, there's no reason uh, uh, that anyone should go hungry, um, and certainly not any child. And um, I think working together, being hopeful, imagining a better world, uh, we can we can achieve that.
This is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am talking with Donnelly Holmes, who is executive director and founder of Focus on Youth. Uh, and this is part of our lead up to uh, Earth Day and, and uh, talking with nonprofit members of Earth Day Oregon. Um, you you guys obviously you have some spring and Earth Day, not coincidentally, uh, coincide uh, and obviously an important an important time for gardens. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, we're we're already getting uh, ready for spring. We have germinated thousands and thousands of vegetable uh, plants, and um, we're looking forward to uh, moving them from indoors, where we've been germinating them under lights, to our greenhouse. We were really fortunate last year that Child's Foundation gave us a grant for a commercial greenhouse. And um, and then in addition to that, we've added what are called high tunnel greenhouses. They're 10 feet wide and 26 feet long. And uh, uh, our goal there with those is to grow fresh produce year round. Fantastic. And 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 this year in particular, you're expecting uh, a few people to show up uh, on the week of April 15th and, and leading all the way up to Earth Day. Um, can you tell me more about what's happening and, and if people do want to volunteer, how they can be involved? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we're preparing for Earth Day. Um, you heard me mention earlier that we've had volunteers help to remove invasives. Uh, we're going to be doing, not just doing more of that. We have a, um, and you also mentioned Fano Creek um, watershed. We have uh, not a creek, but stormwater runoff that goes through the property. The kids named it Coyote Creek. It only has water during the winter, but um, it, it was constantly um, filled with blackberries. As you know, probably know, they're pretty hard to get rid of and you have to dig them out. We have started doing that, not just cutting them down, but digging them out. And so when our uh, volunteers are here, we are planning on finishing that project. We're going to be actually physically digging out all the roots. Uh, we started, uh, it's a huge project. We actually started last spring with uh, Solve and Earth Day. And the the uh, area that we were able to remove the invasives, we planted 3,000 daffodils and hundreds of native shrubs. Uh, so we plan to actually continue that um, and complete that project, which we'll be able to do with Solve volunteers. Last year, we had just for one week alone, over 200 volunteers 
in in partnership with Solve, which was great. This year, I anticipate we'll have even more because we've signed up to have volunteers almost every single day for the month of April. Because not only do we want to remove the invasives, we want to plant more native shrubs, uh, we want to plant wildflowers, and we also have thousands of seedlings of vegetables that we need help planting. There's a lot, a lot of activity and a lot of things going on uh, at, at at the at Sunflower Farm. Um, is do you find is there a favorite plant that students have? I mean, do they do, they, do students gravitate towards certain types of plants? Oh, uh, that's a good question too. Uh, well, what what surprises me? Yes, I, I would say that all of the kids love uh, tomatoes. But what surprised me the most is that vegetables that the kids would never eat at the shelter, like kale and chard and spinach, when they cook it themselves and eat it, they love it. Um, I do know now that there's a very good cook, Whitney, at the shelter, and she has taken photographs before and um, shown me what she was cooking. And she must be a good cook because she's gotten them to to uh, to eat these vegetables that I think they normally wouldn't eat. But everything tastes better when it's fresh from a garden and when it's organic. So I have a selfish question to ask. I, I, I've been trying to grow pumpkins in my front yard for my last two years, and, and they're just not taking. I, I have this dream of growing. We have these two plants or two plots out there, and I want to grow pumpkins for all the kids in the neighborhood. But oh. any advice why I can't grow pumpkins? Oh, interesting. Uh, well, here's what it might be the timing of when you planted them. Do you remember last year um, uh, we started off with a beautiful uh spring and the first the first week of April we planted uh I think we planted 300 squash plants some of those were pumpkins and April 12th it snowed mm. and it really shocked them and the ones that didn't die actually were kind of stunted luckily we had started 700 seedlings of just the pumpkin or the squash so we replanted and they grew well but have you ever heard of, uh, it's called uh, Three Sisters. It's from Native American Teachings for Plantings. I've not. Well, it's the idea that you plant companion plants. So you plant corn and you plant beans and you plant squash or pumpkins. And the, the, the beans are nitrogen fixers. They take nitrogen from the air and they store it in their nodules, in their roots. They, they in turn, corn and squash, uh, want that nitrogen. So the, the beans share the nitrogen. I would say uh, uh, the first thing is compost. Have you put compost on your garden? I absolutely have, yes. Okay, okay. well, I think the, probably the next thing is there's a wonderful um, store that's been around since 1937 called Concentrates. They have all organic fertilizer. And they have a great selection, not nothing like the big box stores. And I really, uh, I would really recommend not just an all-purpose fertilizer that they mix themselves, but also trace minerals like azomite. The it's it's um, we the soil is pretty much depleted. Um, at least it it was when we started growing on this property. What has turned this into a lush paradise has been us adding all these hundreds of tons of compost, but also we've had, we've added trace minerals. We've added rock phosphate. We've added uh, um, nitrogen and um, things that um, are, are replenishing the soil. 
And and likewise, you have added to thousands of kids' lives in this in the city. Donnelly Holmes is founder and executive director of Focus on Youth. Thank you so much for talking to us as part of the nonprofit happy hour today. And and um, good luck with this year's um, crops, both of of kids and plants. Uh, and thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I, I want to be sure to mention that people can find us on Instagram. We have a wonderful volunteer who has uh, set us up on Instagram and you could look for Sunflower Farms PDX. We're also on Facebook. And if people want to sign up to help us on Earth Day, you can go to the Solve website and sign up there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Phil. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.